Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Loudmouth Podcast, the show about everything and nothing at all at once. I'm your host, the one and only host with the small lips, loud mouth. It is Madison Hadler. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Um, I hope wherever you are, you are staying safe because apparently in Kansas City, we are about to get hit with a winter storm, even though it was 65 degrees yesterday. Um, But... It's not very fun because I'm all by myself. My roommates are out of town, so I'm just hunkered down with the animals and hopefully it doesn't get too, too bad and I don't lose power because last week we did lose power randomly and let me tell you, especially working from home, that blew. So hopefully everyone in Kansas City can stay safe wherever you are. If you're getting a winter storm, stay safe, be prepared, all those lovely things. Um, I am so excited. I know I say this every week, but again, my guests are just amazing. But I'm really, really excited to tell you guys about my guest today. I actually found her when I was scrolling on TikTok. Kid you not, saw one video of hers and went to her page and just started watching all of them. Um, The video that I found was this thing called Found Sounds. It was her Found Sounds series. And she used wind chimes to create a whole piece called Enchanted Forest. And all of a sudden I was just like, wow, I have to have her on. So today I have Matea Williams. She is a composer. Um, She is from California, went to school in Ohio, and is now back in in California. And she does part-time freelance composing while also teaching piano lessons. But I was so excited to talk to her because I've never talked to a living, breathing composer. And that's kind of one of Matea's biggest things is that she creates music for kids of all grade levels so that they could download them for free and be able to work with and experience um, music of an artist, of a composer who is still alive and especially who is a black woman. So today we just kind of talk about her experience, how she got into composition, how she did it throughout college, and what she does now, what she wants her music to be, and everything like that. So I hope that you guys enjoy my conversation with Matea. I know I sure did. So yeah, make sure you check her out. I'll have all the links down below and everything like that. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Matea Williams. I am a 25-year-old Black woman composer from California. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I just recently started like freelance composing and sharing my process and things like that. So yeah, it's been cool. (laughs) Are you born and raised in California too? Yes. Yes. Okay. I was born in Berkeley, California. And then recently I've like moved up to Napa. So okay, fun. Oh, I'm jealous. So I kind of wanted to start out just by figuring out or learning how you kind of found your interest in music, what kind of started off your interest and how you kind of got into composing and figuring out that's what you wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a wild story. Um, I 
was like really interested in music ever since I was younger. My parents started me on piano lessons when I was like eight or nine years old. Um, and then in eighth grade, my um, eighth grade class was doing the Wizard of Oz play, except I went to a Waldorf school, which is, is like an art type of school. Okay. Um, Interesting. And, um, I love that. Yeah. And so at this school, you have the same teacher and same class from first grade all the way up until eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And I didn't join until seventh grade, but um, this teacher had a tradition where she would read one of the books from the Wizard of Oz series every single year. Mm -hmm. And so this eighth grade play was like um, a combination of all of those books. And there were characters. Yeah, (laughs) it was cool. There's like the Hungry Tiger and the Patchwork Girl and like characters that didn't have songs. Mm -hmm. So my teacher was like, do you want to write some like original music for our musical? And I was in the eighth grade. I was like, yeah, I'm so excited. Like, that's so cool. (laughs) So cool. As an eighth grader, what is that famous? (laughs) literally I was so stoked (laughs) um and so yeah I did that and I like wasn't really familiar with composition I I had never like sat down and actually like written out music for other people to like learn and perform so Mm. um I ended up like looking at one of my piano books and I would have a rhythm in my head and I'd be like, oh, okay, that's how you notate this rhythm. And I would just like put in the notes that I wanted. And, oh, okay. Um, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. So just kind of learn it all on your own? Did No, I didn't have any formal composition training until college. Wow. So. That's so cool. Yeah. And I actually ended up using those songs that I wrote in the eighth grade for that musical as like some of my portfolio materials for college and I got in so that is such a full circle moment that's so cool that's like like recognizing your younger self right there you're like I'm gonna use this work that I did that is so cool (laughs) and especially the Wizard of Oz I was the tin man in the Wizard of Oz so I have a special in the eighth grade so I have a special connection to the Wizard of Oz as well it always amazes me when people tell me that their parents didn't let them watch it I'm like such a classic. I've never heard anyone say that. That's crazy. Oh my God. Maybe that's just growing up in the Bible belt, but yeah, that's (laughs) (laughs) their kids watch the wizard of Oz or like Harry Potter because it showed witchery. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That's insane. (laughs) That's awesome that you were able to kind of figure it out on your own in eighth grade and then be able to use it and have your uh, fellow students use it. Like so empowering. So whenever you were like, after you graduated eighth grade, whatever it is, you got into high school, did you do any kind of composing then? Or did your interest in music just kind of stay the same? Yeah, I basically, so I transitioned from like this art school where, by the way, there was no technology allowed. And then I went to tech school where there was only technology. (laughs) um no technology at all that's crazy no yeah like I had several friends who did not have a television in their home like they were not allowed yeah it was like one of those (laughs) I can't even imagine that as an like as a middle schooler like you live in a home with no tv no like video game yeah that's crazy (laughs) Um, I love Spongebob way too much for that (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah then I went to tech school for high school and because it was a tech school, we did not have a music program. We had no sports. Mm -hmm. So we had no like school band or anything. Yeah. We only had like robotics and like (laughs) graphic design. Total 180 from what you were doing before. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was like, crazy. oh, my parents moved and I just like, it was like, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, wow. yeah. So I only, the only music exposure that I really had was playing piano, like my private piano lessons outside of school every Friday. Mm-hmm. And um, I also was in a community um, orchestra. I played clarinet. Oh, okay. I was not good at the clarinet. <laughs> <laughs> um but, but you did it, it. Fun. <laughs> yeah it happened we you know we tried <laughs> I wasn't good at sports either but I tried to play so it's fine <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and so that was pretty much what I did in high school and then um it was my senior year and I was applying to colleges <laughs> and I was talking to the college counselor and I was telling her this that same story about eighth grade and how I wrote that music and she was like did you know that you could major in composition and I was like what you can do what (laughs) I'm so amazed that a person at a like a counselor at a tech school like helped you realize that though because I know so that was really cool and I ended up going to the midwest uh, for college yeah um where did you go I went to Baldwin Wallace University um which is in Ohio it's next to Oberlin well, I was going to ask too, but since your parents put you in piano lessons, do any of your parents play instruments or did they just put you in them because they wanted to, or they wanted you to be interested in them? Um, my mom like kind of picked up on my fascination with music when I was younger and she, she like suggested like, oh, maybe you should start piano lessons and she doesn't play any instruments, but my dad plays the alto saxophone and he's like always played jazz that's so fun. I've always wanted to play the saxophone. I was literally saying that last night. I was like, <laughs> I just feel like that would be infinitely cooler if I played the saxophone. Yeah. I was also gushing about the cello the other day too. Oh my gosh. One of my best friends plays the cello and I'm obsessed with her. <laughs> so you get into college, going to college for composition. What is it like? Like what kind of classes do you take? Music school. So I, I went straight into the conservatory of music at Baldwin Wallace Mm -hmm. and it was a whirlwind honestly I was not expecting music school I don't know if you've seen the movie Whiplash (laughs) (laughs) Whiplash. I'm gonna Um, write that down it's about a drummer in a jazz program and it's like a super rigorous music program but anyway so that's pretty much like what happened we had orientation and we're all sitting in this performance hall Mm -hmm. And we've all just had our auditions and I was super nervous about my auditions because um, I don't know, I had just never played piano at that level before. So I was like, yeah, kind of nervous. Yeah. And um, the dean of the conservatory comes out onto the stage. We're all sitting in the audience and she goes, I want you to look to your left. I want you to look to your right. Half of the people that you see in this room will not be here on the first day of classes. I was like, you're a freshman. You were fine. <laughs> I was like, we don't even go here yet. We don't. <laughs> I would have, I, no, I think I would have been one of those people to leave right in that moment. Like, Absolutely <laughs> not. Okay. So that was intense. Yeah, a little um, bit. Yeah, just a little. But, you know, ended up getting in and all of the people who were in my class were super, super nice. We were all like equally scared <laughs> and nervous. Um, yeah, that's a bonding also- experience for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and But we were also all like equally talented and passionate about music and like mm-hmm. eager to learn. And I was so excited to have my composition classes. Um, it was so cool to look at my schedule and see like, composition forum like 
mm-hmm. orchestration. Yeah. Classes that were specific to, I was like, whoa, this is so cool. Like I felt like I was in like Hogwarts for music. It was like kind of hard um, at first, but it was still like really, really cool. And I remember the class where we learned about found sounds and I was mm-hmm. like, I love it here. <laughs> I'm obsessed. So in that class, like, what would you guys do? Like, what would your homework assignments be? Um, so, yeah, um, we had, so it was orchestration with a professor named Jonathan Sokol, Dr. Sokol. And he basically started us off freshman year with writing a short, like two minute solo piece for every single instrument in the orchestra Mm -hmm. so that we could get familiar with how each one worked, what their capabilities were, what their range was, things like that. Um, And so that was really fun. And then at the end, well, there was one in the middle of the semester too. And then one at the end of the semester, we had these um, new music series concerts. So Mm -hmm. all of the composition majors were required to like have something written that their classmates could play and perform at these concerts. Um, And there were just like crazy pieces out there. I remember somebody told me a story about a, comp- a composer from a different school who literally just wrote a piece where the tuba player goes on stage and pours milk into his tuba. <gasps> what? Yeah. <laughs> and then just starts playing. I was like, that's, what? That's a fever dream right there. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I don't know if that's real, but yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's basically so what we did. Yeah. So whenever, okay. So you graduated, what year did you graduate? College. I graduated undergrad in 2019 in 2019 2019 and then you went to grad school correct yes okay where did you go to grad school and what was the decision going into grad school like why did you decide you wanted to go further um honestly at first so I was a senior in college at this point and um music school was really really hard we had like I was taking like 18 credit hours at one oh point like my day I, would be from like 5 a.m our music yeah. therapy <laughs> our music therapy um major at my college literally was exactly like that so like rigorous they had 18 credit hours every semester from the get-go it was crazy. yeah <laughs> um yeah so it was literally exactly like that and I was like I don't really know about this grad school thing like I don't know how much more um and my teacher was like please just apply um we had so um the performance majors would have private lessons for their instrument and Mm -hmm. so I would have private piano lessons and also private composition lessons and my private composition lesson teacher was like please just apply to grad school you never know what's going to happen like maybe you'll get a scholarship or something but like at least try Mm -hmm. and so I did apply to San Francisco Conservatory and um, UT Austin Texas and I got like a really good full scholarship to UT Austin yeah yeah Um, pretty much on um Diversity recruitment. Yes. Yeah. I li- yeah. <laughs> yeah. I literally could go on forever talking about my experience specifically as a black woman. Yes. And please do conti- like if you want to yeah. talk about it. Let's- In undergrad was one of two. Well, it was me, a black woman, and then there was another black composition major who is non-binary, and it was just the two of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, "Yo, um, yeah." 
and um grad school was super fun but again we had composition forum and i was literally so this was all of the undergrad students at ut mm-hmm. in the butler school of music and all of the grad school students and i still like out of 47 sometimes 50 people was like the only black person in the room <laughs> and i'm like so, that's just so crazy especially cuz you feel like in a like more diverse area i guess but like you're not in the middle of nowhere like you're in a popping area so yeah yeah and I know that in your on your website you kind of talk a little bit about how you provide like write music for younger kids to kind of educate them and like show them that they can be a black woman and compose and they can play black women composition music which is so cool and and so I'm sure your experience like in college and things like that like how did that kind of shape I mean it kind of is obvious to me, but how did that kind of shape your way or your activism about wanting to be like a black woman composition kind of thing or composer? Yeah. Um, I just remember, um, a lot of my classes, we would have like dedicated units, I guess, where we learned about specifically women composers. And I was like, none of these women are women of color. (laughs) None of these women are queer. None of these women are trans. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, and I remember seeing all the time, like, you know, less than 1% of composers are women. And I was like, you're not giving us the rest of the receipts though. What's, what's the like, rest of the statistic? Let's let yeah, yeah. yes. Right. And I was like, wow, I really wish that I had somebody like a living composer mm-hmm. that looked like me that I could feel represented by. Um, and when I was in my second year of grad school, we had, or the university had just hired a new composition professor who was a black mm-hmm. man. And I was so excited. I was like, I have never had, I've literally never had a black teacher in my whole life. But the fact that my private composition professor could be a black man was so special for me. Yes, because it's that representation. It's just feeling a little bit more heard. Like somebody said, yeah, Yeah, that was really cool. He actually just emailed me and he was like, Matea, we we had a conversation about, um, he was saying, I'm struggling to think of a black woman composer who writes, wind music do you have anything and I was saying oh my gosh like yes I could totally arrange this oboe piece for wind band because going back to like the activism thing that you Mm -hmm. read on my website it's so important I think for especially young people like in high school and middle school who are playing in their school band or their school marching band or whatever to see the name of a living black Mm -hmm. person in the composer spot where they usually read the name of like a long gone white man (laughs) yeah And it's like, I mean, kids are the future as cliche as it is, (laughs) but if they feel validated knowing that someone else who is like them, who looks like them and comes from an experience similar to theirs can make it out there, then they can do it too, or do whatever they want, even if it's not just composing and things like that. Right. You can just be who you are I know this um, amazing black woman who plays the cello we're back to that we're but back I just to the cello <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and I'm just like you can be just who you are and do whatever you authentically want to do with your art and people will listen and it will be valid you know what yes. I mean like no matter who you are mm-hmm. and um I Um, definitely like in my compositions I don't like write specifically about being black you know Mm -hmm. I'm just like oh look at this enchanted forest Mm -hmm. or like 
you know, this is about the ocean. I just kind of like to write about escapism and like bring people into like different worlds with my music, like kind of reading a fantasy novel or something. Yes. I love it. It sounds like fairy music. So I kind of wanted to ask you a little bit about like walking through how you compose a song. Like what is your method? I, so back in undergrad in Ohio is when I learned how to use music notation software. Mm -hmm. So before that, I was just writing everything down by hand, like Beethoven. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The notation software was really helpful. So usually what I'll do nowadays is the very first thing that I'll do is like, I always get an idea at inconvenient times. So I'll just like hum a melody or something into my phone, like voice memos. And I'll be like, okay, like I have to work on this later. And then I'll get home and go through my voice memos and I'll be like, oh yeah, I was in Target. And I thought, (laughs) and so then I'll go to my piano. (laughs) Right, right. So I'll go to my piano and I'll kind of like figure out what the melody is. I'll figure out what key it's in and I'll write that down. And then I just start working on chords. I start putting it in different chords, playing around with like, oh, this tonality kind of changes it a little bit. It makes it sound like this, or I can make it sound like this. Um, And then after I do that, I will put the piano sketch into Sibelius, which is the music notation software that I use. And from there, I'll just start adding instruments and it kind of just like snowball effects when I'm writing, like I'll start writing the violin part and then I'll be like, oh my gosh, that would sound so good with like some descant horns. And then I'll be like, oh my gosh, that would sound so good with like some twinkly flute. And then I'll be like, oh my gosh, you know. Yes. (laughs) Well, once you get the ball rolling, an object in motion stays in motion. So there you go. (laughs) Um, And so then from there, I'll probably have a finished piece or something close to a finished piece and I'll put in the finishing touches. And then it depends on whether or not I'm writing specifically for like like the score, if I want it to be published and give it Mm -hmm. to, you know, high schools or middle schools or choirs um, Mm -hmm. for their music programs. But um, I'll go in and I'll export (laughs) the actual score as a pdf and then that part gets a little bit tedious because depending on how many different instruments i have in the score each one of those needs an individual pdf so yeah yeah so um my orchestra piece deepest blue which is on spotify (laughs) um shout out um, and it was yeah (laughs) it was my grad school thesis work which is 11 minutes and it had 32 instruments and every single one of them needed. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so you then for the, the audio. You probably have on your computer. I could only. I, my laptop is holding on by. <laughs> I really need to clean that up. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I um, will go in with the audio. And that's my favorite part. And I'm investing in a new computer actually, where I will be able to put the audio into logic. And then I can have the, there's like a, um, online music library called Spitfire BBC Symphony Orchestra. And it sounds so beautiful. It sounds so like realistic. And I would be able to just like translate all of my music into that and then record it and it would sound I was literally sort of gonna ask of you if you like find recordings online or if you record it like all all the instruments like have people come and record instruments because so, yeah. I was like 32 instruments you oh my goodness 
That's yeah. Funny. I just, they're, they're all electronic. Okay. Yeah. That's um, great. I, yeah. <laughs> I do miss live orchestra though. Mm-hmm. I miss being able to go to a concert hall and, um, like sit there with the, all of the performers and then they're asking me specific questions about oh, how do you want me to perform this? Do mm-hmm. you want like extra vibrato on this violin note and things like that? And um, yeah, I think the one thing about being graduated is mm-hmm. like, I don't have access to, you know, the school orchestra anymore or the choir. Yeah. So, but yeah, because that collaboration can be so cool. I went to a symphony concert the other week and um they were talking about they were like explaining each piece and talking about how they worked with a lot of the composers and they like one of the composers like made a special arrangement just for their group to like play and I was like that is just so cool to be able to work with like a living composer and talk to them and collaborate with them and figure out new things that they can get you so I can only imagine how much that would that collaboration be missed so whenever you like find all the instruments and you kind of start to put it together what's your step after that like how do you kind of finalize it do you like edit it in any way or is there a way to do that yeah so I go through and similar to exporting each individual pdf I will go through and isolate each individual line of music and just listen to that part by itself to make sure that it makes sense. And then sometimes I'll listen to like just the winds or just the strings mm-hmm. or just the brass to make sure that there's like nothing wonky happening. Um, that must take so and, long. Yeah, <laughs> but it's also really fun. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and then after that, I can just export the audio as an MP3 and there it is. There's my is. finished piece. That's so yeah. cool. <laughs> And then do you always post like the music for it online for people to access or do you kind of limit or how does that kind of work? Yeah, so it depends on what it is. Usually if it's a piece that I'm just writing as a personal project, I'll definitely post it and I'll post some of my um, process and writing it and things like that. But if I have um, like an individual commission, so sometimes people will commission me. I had... um, So sorry. Okay, continue. No yes. worries. Hi. Um, yeah, I will get individual commissions and I do get a little bit of that collaboration aspect back because we can email back and forth mm-hmm. and I can say, oh, does this passage work? Um, what would be better for you, you know? And um, for those, I usually won't share them until my client like has their finished product yes. first. Yes. And then I ask them if they're okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah that's so fun though and how many like if you don't mind me asking like how many pieces do you kind of commission out for people or is there like do you have like a cap on it or like yeah just kind of I honestly like get a pretty steady Mm -hmm. flow of commissions so I'm never like really over like it's not yeah. overbearing yeah um yeah so I wish that I like had so many questions yeah. coming in that I'd be like I'm sorry I can't take any more but yeah um and I would also really love so right now I'm working as a part-time freelance composer and a part-time piano teacher at a music school uh-huh. where I live yes. But I would love to be a full-time composer and just do commissions and then mm-hmm. maybe like work on some big media projects for like Netflix or Pixar or something that would be so oh my gosh that'd be so cool yeah (laughs) the music for like a little short or animate like you wouldn't animate it you know what I'm saying (laughs) 
but that's so cool that you're able to kind of work with people um, still and kind of collaborate on that sense. And, you know, we're still young. So yeah. doing the part-time working on your craft and then full-time doing something else or part-time doing something else. It's just something that I think our yeah. generation is very used to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to ask a little bit about like, have you ever gotten writer's block when trying to find inspiration, whether on a commission piece or on a personal piece? Like how do you kind of navigate writer's block when it hits you? Yeah. So that happened to me when I was right. I, I was working on a solo harp commission actually for my friend, Hannah. And I, she kept emailing me like, Hey, do you have anything for this piece? And I was like, honestly, wow. I don't know how to respond to this because I cannot make this not suck. Like <laughs> it sounds so bad. <laughs> um, like I can't and do so it. usually when that happens, yeah. <laughs> um, I'll like go out in like outside or take a vacation or something similar to like the chimestone piece. And I'll just try to find music in everyday things that inspires me, or I'll listen to some of my favorite music that like classical or like pop R and B, mm -hmm. anything like that. Um, so, and yeah, I kind of draw inspiration from all kinds of music. I kind of hate music genres. Okay. I, I feel like genres ruin music sometimes because things don't always fit into a box but wait, anyways I love that take wait let's talk about that for a minute okay yeah okay explain a little bit more because I'm very yeah. interested yeah so first of all I just feel like some genres some people want to put things in genres where it doesn't really make any sense if that mm -hmm. you know what I mean where yeah. It's like this music incorporates so many different things and you're just going to call it like alternative and call yes. it a day. Like, yes. I don't know if that sits right with me. Like, <laughs> yeah. okay, I don't know. I, I do. I, I agree with that because yeah. I love like the fluidity. It's just like sexuality. We're all mm -hmm. fluid. It's just like gender. We're all just like, yeah. Moving through music life is art. Yeah. Yeah. Like just decide for somebody else that like their art fits into this box you know yes. and I also feel like genres especially as you become more professional and gain more of a following mm. genres are sometimes used against an artist because yes. they perpetuate implicit biases mm -hmm. within music based on race so I'm <laughs> like yes. I don't know I don't vibe with the genres but anyway <laughs> I was just about to say and then it kind of tries to like shove people in these stereotypes just like that um Tyler creator speech where he talks about how he was put into the urban category or right. I think it was urban right was mm -hmm. it? okay and he was like that's not what that album was and right black, he's like this so. is not a rap album I am yes. not a rap artist uh -huh. I'm just black yeah, yeah. <laughs> right and so that's exactly like why are we one trying to I like kind of put these things in boxes and then we're using it against artists when they fall outside of that line that we've created oh, yeah no. amazing okay <laughs> yes okay so finding inspiration though so listening to music kind of like stepping out of the creator mm -hmm. mode just like taking in yeah. what's happening around you I feel like a lot of us can get kind of caught in the big picture of, or the, like looking at the little details and kind of forget about the big picture of everything. So you kind yeah. of just step out of that box. 
And I asked like, what do you want people to like get from your music? I guess like when listening, like what do you want people to feel? Like what is, how do you want your music to be heard, I guess? Yeah, that no, that totally sense? makes sense. That okay. totally makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah, I really just want people to be like connected with their most creative self when they're listening to my music, just like transported yeah. to their imagination. Because I, I think it's it's especially cool with um like orchestral music or band music that doesn't have any lyrics, like everybody is going to interpret the story of that differently. Yeah. That's so cool to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, a little picture in your mind when you're listening. It's like reading a book almost, but it's yeah. you get to make up the words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, um, that's pretty much what I just, what I hope to get across is like, Mm -hmm. is just, I don't know, escapism sort of. I also, um, in some later pieces that I'm working on, um, I have incorporated some themes of Afrofuturism and magical realism. And I love incorporating things like that, where it's just like, and the found sounds really help with that too, like bringing people into an imaginative just like made up world mm-hmm. of sound if, and that they can like escape to. Yeah. yeah. You had said like escapism before and that makes total sense. And I also think your background, like with how you're explaining yeah. your music and describing it makes so much sense to me. I'm like, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I like that. And I love that you're able to kind of get that message across while still leaving it up to other people's like imaginations. Like they're allowed to interpret it however they want. Like mm-hmm. you interpret it a different way when you write it. And I'm sure at different points of time, you may listen back on your different pieces and interpret it a different way or think about it in a different way. Yeah. Which creates a timeless piece. <laughs> so is there any way to describe like, oh, I guess we kind of talked about this with like escapism, kind of like describing your music that way. Are there any like artists that you look to f- and find inspiration in that um, composition or composers or not? just kind of anyway. Yeah, um, some of my favorite composers are Missy Mazzoli, um, who I I just like look at all these women composers and I'm like, yes. Um, And then there is kind of a younger composer, Emily Bear. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she wrote a Bridgerton musical that got nominated for a Grammy and it was really, really cool. Yeah. Oh, um, and then Emily Bear has a writing partner who was um, Abigail Barlow. So the two of them together. Okay. Um, and then I also really love some of the classics too. I love WC. I love Beethoven. I love Respighi. Um, I think Respighi is underrated. Okay. I, I don't think I've ever heard of Respighi. Yeah. Okay. Respighi. Yeah, um, I don't think I've ever heard of it. And I love Tchaikovsky. I think that was actually one of my very first um inspirations was going to see the nutcracker when I was younger yes as a ballet and I was listening to this music and I was like <laughs> literally floored I was like what <laughs> he said um okay what's happening what yeah. are you feeling <laughs> yeah. I was like I want to do that mm-hmm. yeah and some non I guess non-classical inspirations mm-hmm. would be Moses Sumney who again writes music that I wouldn't be able to put into a genre but I just think it's so cool and imaginative um and I also just love like Miley Cyrus (laughs) like 
Um, yeah. So really across the board. Yeah. I love it. Not defining yourself by genre. So Mm -hmm. anyway, um, so I guess like my, I'm kind of down to my last question. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we kind of get into the last question? Anything you're itching to say? Um, that I haven't touched. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, I'm just like really thankful that I get to talk about my experiences. Yes. Uh, Yeah. This has been so cool. And I've never, yeah, I said that before. I've never talked to a composer before. So I'm very interested in everything you have to say. Yeah. I feel like people think because classical music is a classical tradition Mm -hmm. a lot of people feel left out or like they can't participate especially because in classical music there's so much elitism Um, and and, a lot of yeah a lot of music students are starting to talk about that now I know that at um what was it at Juilliard Mm -hmm. students were like having an uprising because the school raised their tuition in the middle of the pandemic and then locked them out of the music building for protesting and they couldn't even practice like they didn't have access to their instruments yeah oh my gosh I've never heard anything about this yeah (laughs) and people are always talking about oh that's one last thing I also wanted to say people are always talking about Juilliard and these I guess like name brand (laughs) that's not the word I'm looking for but like yeah music institutions where with big names like Yale and it's like you know you don't have to like Juilliard is not the end-all be-all one of my friends Mm -hmm. Hannah was also just talking about this too where you can it's about like what you want to do with your art and how much time and effort you're willing to put into um, building your craft yes. and you don't have to go to like a fancy school like you can go to any music school you don't have to get literally millions thousands of dollars in debt yeah <laughs> you don't have to like as long as yeah as long as you have the dedication and the passion for your art like you can get the same yeah. out of it that you mm-hmm. would at another school and there's also a lot of people on youtube who are sharing their composition process. So I, I guess I would say to anyone who wants to get into composition themselves, like there's lots of resources online that you can look at. And um, really just the biggest thing is like, learn an instrument if you don't already know one, even like voice, you could learn how to sing and that would be equally beneficial for you in starting a composition career. I love this, yes. Keep yeah. I love little tips how can we yeah how can we oh, yeah if we're interested and in it how can we do it how can we microdose it into our lives <laughs> yeah and just um I would say score study which is something that I learned to do in school was the most helpful thing for me in learning how to compose so you can go online um there's this website called IMSLP um and they just have a bunch of sheet music and scores on there and you can look up a song either on Spotify or YouTube or whatever and find the score for it and you can literally like look measure by measure at how that composer made that sound like made the orchestra sound like that you know yeah that's so cool yeah seeing the process and it helps you kind of understand the music a little bit more too and that's Mm -hmm. free it's a yeah love it accessible Yes. Or also just like going to kind of like experiences, like art experiences, whenever they kind of get opened back up and stuff like that. 
mm-hmm. I'm sure is another way just to kind of like support and yeah, get your foot a little bit wet. Go see your community symphony. Go like see if the high school in your area is having a band concert or an orchestra concert or a choir concert. Yes. I know it's kind of weird, but like maybe they'll let you watch. And yeah. maybe if you have some music that you're writing, you can be like, hey, I'm getting into writing music. Maybe you want to like play this that I wrote. Yeah. And they might probably say yes. Because yeah. high school music teachers love community engagement. <laughs> so and like why not? Why not put yourself out there for for fun? Yeah. Um well I was I think what I was gonna say was earlier when you were talking about like colleges and things like that, like it doesn't really like obviously those people who get into Juilliard and things like that are very prestigious, you know, very de- dedicated and disciplined. But it also just kind of shows how much money that you have. And it's like those same classes are being taught at other schools that are more manageable and where you get to maybe connect with your professors a little bit more and like have a community that you're able to trust and get involved in and things like that and yeah yeah, you kind of mentioned a little bit about elitism but is there any kind of like experiences that you had throughout like your time composing whether in college or outside of that that kind of were along those lines of elitism or anything like that? Mm, I think, I mean, wow, I can't really think of like a specific event off the top of my head. I did really enjoy both of my college experiences, Mm -hmm. um, except that they were just like, you know, the normal amount of hard for music school. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I, I think just like the lack of diversity that I saw like translated to Mm -hmm. um people just feeling like oh this is we had a talk actually in one of our classes about classical music being um considered high art and how that just in and of itself like when people are like oh high art okay yeah I don't want to be yeah. <laughs> and that deters people. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Did yeah. you have any classes about like learning to kind of bring like community into your work or like marketing or anything like that? Like I'm just, yeah, no, we yeah. didn't. That's like something my friends and I talk about a lot where we were just like, it really does feel like a bubble when you're like learning in a classical instrument, because it's like just us. Yeah. And we don't like, I remember being at conservatory too. And like the people in the rest of the college would be like, oh, that's a conservatory kid. Oh, that's a music kid. Like they're like, you know what I mean? Yes. And we were like, no, like, please don't. it's no. not really like that. But then I look back at it and it's like, we did not hang out with anyone that was not in the music program. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, that's, and it's purely, um, like mostly purely because of time or like space. Like you're just around them like all the time. Yeah. So it's good having people like you and hearing like your friends be able to talk about like opening up that, opening up that gate and allowing people in the community to get involved in it and things like that, which kind of leads me into my last question about like, (laughs) what are you loud about? What is something that you're passionate about? Like that you through your work or just through you being an individual want to spread to the world or talk about or 
Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, that kind of is the perfect segue into my answer. Um, because I think that like all music is equally valid. And I, <laughs> I'm, I'm so passionate about that. I'm like, we, we're not special because we play classical music, even though, you know, getting an orchestra job is really, really hard or mm -hmm. um, things like that. But I just really think that, yeah, listening to all genres of music and being equally open to receiving whatever that genre mm -hmm. <laughs> um, has to offer is, um, yeah, I think that's really cool. And I think that whoever you are, no matter who you are, like you can participate in music and you can put together any different kinds of music and sounds and that is a valid piece of art, so. Yeah, yeah, which is what I loved about your found sounds TikTok. It was like <laughs> kind of showing people that you can find music or you can find inspiration anywhere to be a part of it. Yeah. And then that opens up the conversation to including more people into mm -hmm. that workspace and not feeling like yeah. you have to be of a certain level to participate yeah. in it. I'm just like really hoping that especially underrepresented communities like find my music and I mm -hmm. kind of go out of my way to be like to share my music with people in underrepresented communities um yeah around me, so yeah yeah that's awesome and I I love that and I love that the internet my TikTok algorithm brought yeah. it to you because I really yeah <laughs> I was like such a nice that. conversation and I want to make sure I'm going to put all your links down in the description for people to check out and everything like that, but share where people can find you, share where people can reach out to you for commissions or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so I have an Instagram. It's just Matea, M-A-T-T-E-A dot Williams. And my TikTok is the exact same. And you can contact me through my website, which is linked on both of those. Um, and I am published if you want to play some of my music on my website and also through Murphy Music Press and um, Leading Tones. And um, yeah, so reach out if you're interested. Yeah, awesome. I will make sure to link that down below. I'm going to also link your Spotify as well. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> I want to listen to it. I'm going to listen to it after this. Um, but thank you so much for doing this with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is so cool. Yeah. This is really fun. Yeah. Thank I love you. It. Bye. Bye.